0: This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He yeah. is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from 15 yards out, tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three! one! over the Floridanners! Now shoots the three. Got it! Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land, and a good time was had by all.
1: Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the k lion Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. With me, as always, Caleb Henry. We are packed today. There is a lot going on. We are very glad to have you with us. Volleyball's in the Elite Eight again. Ho hum.
2: Yeah, you know, just eight straight years. No
1: big deal. Whatever. It's just what they are. Nebraska basketball. Just about got a dub in Assembly Hall last night. Holy cow.
2: Short handed. Let's just play four guys over forty minutes and see what happens. And then you've got, of course, recruiting coming down to the wire with the
1: last visit weekend, big commitments, big visitors. Signing day, the early signing period. Signing day is coming up next week. Um, we got a lot to break down, and uh, we have women's uh,
2: basketball eight and one, eight looking and to one. make it nine today
1: against Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, yeah, big win against uh, Duke last time they were out. Right, that was their last game. Yeah, yeah, got that's, got a big one there. That's all right. Duke's Duke's a pretty good basketball program, from what I've told, of what I've been told.
2: Yeah, and then then you know off off the the main trail, uh, Nebraska track has their indoor inter squad meet today. If someone were to happen to run across Caleb town Henry. over to the Devaney Center,
1: all over it, all over it, we are packed and we are. Uh, we're going to be joined by a couple of um, a couple of folks who follow this even more closely than we do. We're going to have Lincoln Arneil from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, he covers volleyball and uh, he's going to join us here very shortly. Here in this first segment, uh, a little bit later on in the show, Nate Klaus from Husker Online is going to join us. To break down this last official visit weekend, talk to us a little bit about the two thousand and twenty recruiting class and how things look as we go into the early signing period that 's coming up next week
2: there haven 't been any big commitments this week or anything right none <laughs> none
1: certainly not from a six foot four big body wide receiver
2: no number one juco in the country wide receivers right <laughs> junior college it's
1: it 's been a pretty good uh, it 's been a pretty good track record so far for this staff you got. I mean, Greg Bell ended up not exactly working out, but he was highly rated in the yeah. junior college ranks. Uh, Diedrich Mills last season, uh, and now this season, Omar Manning, who just committed last night to Nebraska as uh, Scott Frost went in home right at the 11th hour to close it down.
2: I mean, I know that, that that's a position that, I mean, that's kind of a Maurice Purify step in, right? Is that is that the what we're seeing is kind of the comparable? I'd
1: be a decent comp. Um, I think Mo might have been
2: 6'5". Yeah. And,
1: I mean, you don't really know until you get the guy on you know, on the field and what he looks like against the other corners. I mean, Murray's Purify was a monster out there. If Manning does anything near what Murray's Purify <laughs> did when he was here, I think Nebraska's offense is going to be in good shape.
2: And I th- Nebraska's offense was already going to be in good shape going into so. next year. I know I'd already talked with uh, Jack and with you a little bit, that if we had to go get one guy who was the top-rated guy at a position, I wanted it to be on the D-line, but sure. I'm never going to be upset with getting the top guy at any position.
1: Yeah, and, and look, they've gotten some pretty good guys from um, from defensive line recruiting these last couple of years. Linebackers these, yeah. as well. Linebackers, too. You're, you're, you're hopeful that those guys pan out. Wide receiver, they haven't really gotten that guy. Um, J.D. Spielman, Stanley Morgan, those guys were inherited. They did get Cade, uh, Cade, uh, Yeah, Cade Warner. Uh, He was a walk-on, but still, he's a guy who's contributed and was recruited by this staff. Um, Otherwise, the guys that they've gotten haven't really been able to make an impact yet. The three freshmen last season didn't see the field a whole lot, if at all, this year. You had Darian Chase and Jamie Nance just a handful of times. I don't think Houston saw the field. Um, And then the class before, you got the two junior college kids, Mike Williams, John Woodyard, A little bit of production, but not near as much as you would have thought getting a couple of guys from junior college. You'd hope one of them would pan out a little bit more than they did.
2: We've had guys make plays on the edge, but there hasn't been someone that, I mean, you know J.D. Spielman can make some plays in space, and we know what Wandale Robinson did. Cade Warner was one of those guys that just kind of, he went out and blocked well, made a couple catches, but he's also been injured a little bit. We haven't had someone there in a couple years that you just went, this guy is on the edge and he's going to go make something happen right now.
1: Yeah, so we're we're again going to get to all the recruiting um uh, the the stuff that's gone down uh big inside linebacker commit from the junior college ranks. Um there's a transfer offensive lineman who's uh originally a, uh, from Germany uh, coming over from Colorado State. He's going to be a transfer lived in Nebraska his last couple of years of high school, went to Colorado State initially, um, and this week uh, commits to transferring to Nebraska from Colorado State. Uh, So a lot to get to there um, with Nate Klaus. But um, what we're going to dig into uh, this segment is going to be the volleyball match. um, Sweeping Hawaii yesterday, that first match, uh, the first uh, set in the match yesterday was a marathon, 29-27. The Huskers come out victorious, uh, and then, pull away as it goes on the second set was easier than the first the third set easier than the second uh, and the huskers yet again john cook squad in the, in the elite eight and now we're on to round three with wisconsin and who better to tell us about that uh, than somebody who's watched the first two rounds very closely uh, and knows all about what this matchup is going to look like and that's lincoln arneal from the omaha world Herald. lincoln thanks for joining the show how are you doing this morning
3: you bet i'm doing pretty good hanging out in scenic Madison, Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, you get some cheese curds going on up there.
3: Yes, in fact, it was one of the first things we did after uh, we got the, we got here Thursday. Went to the press conference, went out to eat, and looked at the appetizers. We're getting cheese curds.
1: <laughs> Great work. That's 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 a mandatory deal. I I've only been up to Madison the one time. That was the 2011 football game, and and yeah, cheese curds were definitely a must. All right, let's yeah. let's let's move on from the food and get to the the main course <laughs> here, which is Nebraska, Wisconsin part three. What yeah. are you What are you expecting from this matchup? I mean, Wisconsin has looked, frankly, pretty dominant over the Huskers this season. Is there any reason to believe that dominance will continue, or is this kind of a, hey, it's really hard to beat a team three times kind of deal?
3: Well, I would say it's hard to beat a team, but Wisconsin has shown no weaknesses in its two matchups with Nebraska, so it's going to take Nebraska's best match of the year and be able to find some weaknesses in Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's not invincible. They, they were been beaten a couple of times in the big 10 and, and struggled a little bit in the early non-conference part, but they were missing a few players because of injuries. So they are beatable. They're not invincible. Goliath, I mean, but Goliath was beating the two. Uh, so I think it's going to take the Huskers best match. They really need to pass. Well, they need to handle uh, Wisconsin serve and find some way, some way to slow down Wisconsin's attack. That's been the two, uh, the, the biggest thing in the two matches they played this year. Is uh, Wisconsin's hit above 300 in both of those matches? They need to find a way to slow Wisconsin down and and step up on defense.
2: Lincoln, I know it's really hard to, one, slow down Wisconsin, but then, two, just go and get into a shootout with them, and I know that hasn't worked so far for Nebraska, but Lauren Mm -hmm. uh said after the match yesterday that she thinks the first two matches they were passive, and they need to come out aggressive and take big rips. How How does this team go and be more aggressive on offense to try to shoot a little bit higher percentage?
3: Well, it, it, I think it starts with their passing too. They got to get the ball to uh, Nicklin Haynes in a place where she can, has multiple options, and where they're not bump setting it out of system, uh, and then allow their hitters to really take swings. Uh, and really, the key point is being aggressive. Uh, and this was especially true in the match they played at Devaney, is late in the set. Um and I saw this this happened yesterday with Texas A and m I mean they were close eighteen, seventeen, and then Wisconsin just closes the closes the door and, and wins the set. And when they played Nebraska, Nebraska kind of I mean one mistake, rolled into two, and really they kind of got timid and late in the sets and started tipping and really backing off of that aggression that uh Lauren referenced. So it 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 starts with passing, giving giving Nicklin the ability to hit that multiple hitters and then having those hitters just take giant rips that keep that aggression alive.
1: Lincoln Arneal from the Omaha World-Herald joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour We're talking Nebraska volleyball ahead of their Elite Eight matchup tonight against Wisconsin. Defensively, how is Nebraska going to have to make adjustments to kind of slow down the Wisconsin offense as, uh, again, Nebraska was swept a couple of times by that offense here uh, this season?
3: Oh, it the, the hard part is Wisconsin runs their offense very quick, so they get the, get the ball from the setter to hitter is very quick. So their block has to be very nimble, and almost I mean, hopefully by this is where maybe the third time does pay off is that they've seen Wisconsin's offense in person twice, so they maybe know a little bit more of their tendencies and can can. Anticipate a little bit more where their, their block needs to, needs to be. So that, that may be the, the one promising part of playing them a third time is they're onto, onto their offense and know, uh, their habits and where they may set, uh, set different looks and different, the different plays. Uh, so that may help out. So I think that's going to be, uh, a big key. And I think the other part too is just, uh, their back row defense, whether it's Kenzie Knuckles or Lexi Sun. Or Maddie Kubik or Nicklin Hames back there. That that's the hard part is is Wisconsin hits it and they hits it hard. They got some big guns on the front uh, front row with their attackers. So um, that's going to be the hard part, just getting the position and being able to again read the tendencies and know, anticipate and know where they're going to come with their shots.
2: Does Coach Cook take anything from yesterday's matches? Not just uh, playing the the crafty beach balling rainbow wahine and with that just being a completely different team than anyone else they faced, but also what Texas A&M was able to do when, when they were on their runs a little bit yesterday.
3: I think so. I mean, you look at what Texas A&M, when they had, uh, success, they had, they're one of their best players, Holland Hands. I mean, she showed no fear, no intimidation. She was just firing away and, and she had a lot of success. So I think looking at that, I mean, that, that goes back to the aggression we just talked about, too. She didn't back down against Wisconsin and really uh, really fired away, too. And The other thing I think you saw, too, and Lauren Stevens also referenced this, too, uh, is that Texas A&M, when they were able to stay tight with Wisconsin, is when they were serving tough. Um, Wisconsin has a great back row defense, but if you can serve them tough and get their – their offense a little out, a little bit out of system, not used to their normal plays. Um, that again can make make them make Wisconsin a little bit more vulnerable uh, to scoring runs.
2: Looking outside of what's going on in Madison, I know folks in Nebraska kind of get excited anytime Texas loses at anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. did did we expect that from from Louisville and a little bit of Nebraska connection there?
3: I no I mean I think going into Texas is always a tough always a tough proposition too. I mean not only do you have I mean Danny Busboom uh Dan Busboom Kelly a former Husker grade and assistant coach uh but Lawrence Divern's younger sister Amber is a freshman there as well too. So they were all watching that match in the in the locker room and we were waiting, waiting the press conference to come we hear a giant yell scream and they come down the hallway all bouncing down Lauren's difference uh, throat is a little bit uh, hoarse because she was screaming so much, but it's uh that, that was an impressive win. They've they've been on a hot streak. They upset uh, Western Kentucky in the fir- in the second round uh, on Western Kentucky's court, and then go to Texas and knock off Texas and Gregory Jim. It's uh it, it it's it's very impressive too. But like you said, Husker fans love that. I was I, usually one of the biggest tweets of my day is the final score of Nebraska win. Uh, I sent out a tweet after Louisville uh, beat Texas. I think that tweet has more likes than my the Huskers winning, so that <laughs> speaks a little bit to the never letting the Texas hate die
2: horns down forever. you hate to see it <laughs> you hate to see it a um,
1: couple more things here with Lincoln Arneil of the Omaha World Herald covers volleyball. Um, and Lincoln, uh, this is a little bit off the Nebraska side, but UNK getting to the final as well. Um, what's uh, what do you what do you see there in terms of how uh, Carney's done this uh, this season um, in their run? How how has that been?
3: Oh, cool. uh, I'm very late to the Carney bandwagon. I guess I watched a little bit on, a little bit uh, their match yesterday, but they're just a tough defense, a tough defense, and their setter is also very good. Um, she's a transfer from Bellevue West, but a, a local Nebraska girl. And, um, I mean, they're undefeated. They, they, I think, I think the other part too is that their region that they play in, um, and their conference is one of the top conferences in division two. So they've been battle tested. Um, they are just ready, ready to, um, take on whatever challenges lay ahead. I think the eight teams in their region, uh, were ranked at the top 13 in the nation. So they, they, they've they've been through the wars. They know what it takes to win at a high level. I think cause Wayne State was 13th, 14th and the in the coaches poll, didn't even qualify for the did qualify for the postseason because they do it more geography based in Division II. So, Carney Carney has a lot of confidence, and they should because they have not lost. They they played the a tough schedule, so um, they should have as good a chance as uh, as anyone tonight in the uh, national championship match.
1: Good deal. Very nice versatility handling the uh, the Carney question out of the blue there. Um, we'll get you out of here on this, Lincoln. Um, Nebraska beating Wisconsin tonight. Um, how, would, how would that game story look? What do you think would have to happen in order for the Huskers to get the victory and get back to the Final Four? Uh,
3: they would have to play their best match of the year. They need to uh, serve well and then hand, handle uh, Wisconsin's serve game. I think that's, that's what it's going to come down to is how well uh Nebraska is able to stay with observing uh, aggressive um and then being able to not give up bases or easy points and then stay in system too that's that's what it's going to come down to but i think i mean it, it's going to take a herculean effort this is what this is the toughest match of the year and i think uh i was asked earlier earlier this week if Nebraska is a final four caliber team i think they are But the problem is they're put in Wisconsin's region. That's the one issue. If they were in any other region, I would like their odds a lot better. But Wisconsin has just had their number in the two matches they played. So it's going to be a tough matchup. I don't think it's impossible. But Nebraska needs to play one of their best matches of the year and find some weaknesses and slow down that Wisconsin attack.
1: Good stuff. We'll we'll be watching for sure. Lincoln Arneal from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Thanks very much for the time, Lincoln. We appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the matchup there in Madison.
3: No problem. Thanks for the call, and have a good rest of your day.
1: Yeah, you too. All right, that's Lincoln Arneil from the Omaha World Herald joining us here. Um, it's yeah, I, I I'm very interested to see because um, he mentioned I think that's the key, the way the Wisconsin offense is so quick. Having had a third time now to go up against it, it can only be a little bit better. Um, you know, you maybe maybe you move that as a as a pro to that column. Oh now yeah, for Wh- Nebraska's
2: defense, Wisconsin's offense actually dictates how much they don't have to defend because they go so quick offensively that that gets you out of system in a hurry, yeah. and then there's more free balls, or you're not taking those big rips, as as Lauren Stiverance likes to say. And if you're not doing that, well, they don't have to be sitting back defensive. They can get up and know exactly where all of their attackers are, and that that's what it worked for rounds one and 2 mm-hmm. Round three, we'll have to see. Yeah, you get, you get the uh, Nebraska
1: team scrambling. They can't get in their system. And yeah, like you said, free balls on the other side. And Wisconsin can just load up and go at it again. All right, well, that was uh, that's good stuff. Um, volleyball talk right off the top. How about and, that? And
2: a little bit of UNK, um, which yeah. actually Rick Squires doing a fantastic job there. I know two of his daughters are on the team. I actually coached. Anna, who's one of the hitters on the team, I think she's one of the hitters. Look at um, you. I, I coached her in track in, in high school. She got second in discus at state.
1: How about that? Well, my, my connection, I guess, I'll, I'll, I'll try to one. Oh,
2: yeah. Here. Yeah. You got a good one, though. Well, I,
1: I went to Bellevue West. Yeah. But not only that, my cousin's wife is the Bellevue West volleyball coach.
2: Uh huh. So. See, we've got all yeah. kinds of connections all over the state Absolutely. with volleyball.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a volleyball state, man.
2: It is a volleyball state. It's a
1: big day for volleyball. That match is on ESPNU, but of course it'll be on the radio. It's going to be on
2: It's going to be JLon here on Red, 1400 right? KLN, also on uh, B107.3 over there, thanks to uh, Big Iron Realty, Forsyth Insurance.
1: That's a 5 o'clock, first serve, 445 pregame.
2: I believe so. So
1: Tune in. Uh, maybe we'll radio sync that. That'd be 430 fun. 430 maybe? Yeah. Should we radio sync that thing with ESPNU?
2: Might as well. Yeah, let's do
1: that. (laughs) Turn that down and turn up John Baylor and Lauren Cook. That'll be good stuff. All right. Back when we uh, return, uh, we're gonna hit on the the basketball overtime loss to Indiana, but a lot more performance than we thought we'd get out of the Huskers. That and recruiting talk when we return here on the K L I N Husker Hour.
0: Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the K L I N Husker Hour on 1400 K L I N.
1: Our thanks to Lincoln Arneal in the last segment from the Omaha World-Herald. Breaking down some volleyball. Elite 8 match, round 3 with the Badgers later tonight. You can hear it right here on KLIN. What you heard last night on KLIN was something you did not anticipate. At least, I don't think many people would have anticipated
2: No, no. It,
1: Nebraska basketball coming within this close of getting so, a, a win in Assembly Hall against Indiana, but falling 96-90 to 90 in overtime.
2: First of all, just the way things went coming out against Creighton last week, and yes, the second half looked a lot better, Yeah, that already made it look like, well, things are going to get a little bit ugly against Indiana and what they have inside. They've got actual Big Ten big guys. Creighton doesn't have that. Creighton wants to run up and down the floor. Um And they just came out on fire, and Nebraska came out timid. So that made the game get out of hand in a hurry. You thought it was going to be more just kind of ground and pound with Indiana, and they were going to slowly take over the game. And they actually had an 11-2 lead to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of
1: thought, oh, geez, here we go again.
2: But the other part was just a couple hours before tip-off, we get the release. Coach Fred Hoiberg has suspended junior guard Gervais Green indefinitely for violation of team rules. That's a guy getting thirty one minutes a game, ten points, uh, I think about five rebounds a game yeah. that's production that you have to replace. What are you going to do on that, okay well, Samari Curtis, a week earlier would have been a guy to step into a little bit more of that role, oops, and he left the team, so Nebraska going in with I think eight scholarship guys yeah. into assembly hall
1: and one of the one and, and only one of their walk ons because the other two on a red shirt, yeah, yeah,
2: so you're already short staffed going into it it could get ugly in a hurry but for some reason when nebraska is down to like smaller numbers things have gone well regardless of coach yeah regardless (laughs) of coach that is the one holdover that if nebraska is looking at looking down the bench saying well we're gonna have to play some extra minutes including four guys over 40 Cam, because it goes to overtime, mm-hmm. four guys play over forty minutes. Cam Mack plays all but twenty nine minutes in the game.
1: Twenty nine seconds.
2: Twenty nine seconds. Yeah, yeah twenty nine yeah. seconds. That is incredible. Um, nine guys technically got in the game, but a rope and easily. Yeah, Not pl- didn't didn't really easily played two minutes fifteen seconds. A rope played a second. You played a seven guy rotation against Indiana, who's now ten and one. And it took overtime, and really, it just looked like ran out of gas. Yeah, there was only so much gas left in the tank. Um, just to force overtime. How about Burke on that three? Yeah,
1: and the way that play was drawn up was really, really good. Like, that's that's one of the things I think that Fred Hoiberg gives you. It's it's the dimension that I don't think none of the last three coaches had, um, at least not in 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 consistent performance. Is drawing up a play when you gotta have it, whether it's at a timeout, whether it's with the clock running down, shot clock, game clock. Uh, they had to have a three. You had Wade Drogo out on the wing there, set a screen first to get Mac loose. Yep. And then he comes back and sets a screen on Burke's guy to get Burke free. Mac puts it right on the money. One of his 10 assists, another double double for him, by the way. And, and Burke, I mean, you got to hit the shot, and, and he hit, he nailed it. Twenty five points for Deshaun Burke, huge performance from and him.
2: That double double for Mac. That's yeah. his second double double of points and assists on the season. Only one other player has done that for the Huskers in the last thirty years.
1: <laughs> and he played football. If you didn't know, yeah
2: that that's just Lance cheater. That is insane. Yeah, so the,
1: the, I think that that added dimension of Fred Hoiberg's game, I think, will really pay dividends for this team. Just not, not just this year, but going forward, just being able to get a shot when you have to have one. That's been a problem for years for Nebraska, unless you have a guy like Teran Petaway or, or James Palmer. If you don't have that guy who can just go out and get his shot out of nothing, um, it's hard to manufacture it, and that was a great way to do it, to get that tied one of the and th- the
2: offense looked better in the game. It did. Over the course of the game. Yeah, it came yeah. out a little bit slow, and there were some stretches where, especially coming out in the in the second half, um, ne- Nebraska comes out and misses a couple shots, and Indiana decides, wait a minute, we're bigger inside. Let's just pound it in there. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's still with that Doc Sadler pack line defense, make them shoot threes. Yeah. There were a couple times that uh, Draogo was standing in the middle of the lane, and his guy had the ball at the top of the key. He said, I don't care. Yeah, This this is what we're going to do. We're going to be inside. We're going to make you have to put up some of those shots. And even still, Indiana being bigger, got, got some buckets inside, got more than 20 points on second chance, 26 second chance points because of all those offensive rebounds. Yeah. But we saw Nebraska's offense function in a way that they came down and were getting shots. When Ivan takes two dribbles – into the paint and kicks it out for a three, you know the offense looks good. Yes. Um
1: and he's got the capability to do it, which is great.
2: Yeah, and there there yes, he he missed some shots inside and I know there's some guys saying he's six nine, go dunk it. He's not gonna miss those shots next year. He's still figuring out big ten play. That was his first Big Ten action. Mm-hmm but when you look at this he's offense,
1: what, seventeen years old.
2: Yeah, he's seventeen <laughs> years old. Guys, come on. What, what 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 were we all doing at seventeen years old? I'm sure I missed more layups than that against high school teams.
1: I mean, that's was pretty darn good at GoldenEye on Nintendo 64.
2: Yeah, ex- 17, exactly. But, a- uh, but I do want to. I I would actually like to see more Hoiberg set plays. I know the offense runs well, and it ran really well last night. But I want to see a few more of those set plays because they're so beautifully designed. Yeah. He brings that to the table. Yeah,
1: a couple things. One of the things that Nebraska is going to struggle with all year is rebounding, and we know that. And they did. Um, Indiana won the rebounding battle, fifty-four to thirty-one. Yeah. Um, I mean, you already you already touched on the second chance points. That was twenty-six to ten in favor of Indiana. The way Nebraska counters that has got to be three-point shooting, which they did pretty well in this game. Thirty percent in the first half, forty-three percent in the second half, thirty-seven point five percent for the game. The other way is create points off turnovers. And Nebraska did did that, that. especially in the second half. It wasn't just getting the turnovers from Indiana. It was not turning it over to Indiana. In the second half alone, Nebraska turned Indiana over nine times, got 13 points off of those turnovers. Indiana got only two turnovers from Nebraska and only scored one point off of those two turnovers. Nebraska got 21 total across the game. Mm -hmm. Indiana just 10. The problem was in overtime, Indiana did not turn it over. Nebraska did turn it over twice. Indiana got three points off of one of those two turnovers, and Nebraska obviously didn't get any. So that was where it kind of flipped and again they kind of ran out of ran out of steam at the yeah. end. It the way that Nebraska knows they have to play, like it's gonna be, you know, either either you get the the fast paced, you get up and down the floor, you get the turnovers, you hit your three pointers, and you're staying in it, or you're you're just not. Mm-hmm. But that really gives them a unity of purpose. Like, hey, this is the only way we're going to be able to win games this season, boys. Let's go. Let's, let's j- just do this. Play this offense. Uh, run this scheme to the best we can. Um, you know, I'll I'll help you out with a couple of, like, you know, NBA-level drawn-up plays from the <laughs> sideline here once in a while. Uh, but they just got to play hard, hit their shots, and and really defend well and, and turn the ball over. And that's, that's how they stayed in that game. I mean, I... I I you know Twitter kind of accompanies sports watching these days, and all over Twitter, the folks that are kind of Nebraska ball observers all the time it's just like, geez, these guys are playing their butts off, and it's great to to see that because I don't know that they weren't playing their butts off against Creighton in the first half. I mean, Creighton was just really executing extremely well, but you you probably could have gotten. A little bit better result in that first half of the Creighton game. Had they stayed, you know, mentally in it, yeah. we're were a hundred percent uh you know giving giving the effort the whole way through. There there's a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of bad lot body language. Hoyberg calling two timeouts in like thirty seconds. Yeah. There there's a lot to unpack there. They really turned it around in that second half, and I think you saw the result of that in the Indiana game.
2: I would also like I would like to see Nebraska get to the line more than they did against Indiana. Um, only shot 18 free throws, but did make 12 of them. That was the amazing part, that Nebraska did not miss a free throw for the first like 30 minutes of the game.
1: Yeah, 5-for-5 five five in the first half, 5-for-9 in the second
2: half. Yeah, it was that was a great improvement. Went 12-of-18 on the game. Um, Indiana lived at the free throw line, though. Yep. And that that's one of the things they do as a team. They made more free throws than Nebraska shot. And I know anyone who's ever coached basketball, if you can make more free throws than the other team shoots, it doesn't matter what your free throw percentage is. And Indiana still shot 71% as a team for the game, went 27-38. to That, to me, was the difference in the game. Indiana getting to the line and Nebraska not. And when a game goes to overtime, literally one free throw is that difference.
1: Yeah, and the other part, when it got to overtime, uh, Nebraska, we already talked about the lack of depth. Uh, Indiana only played five guys in overtime. Three of those guys were off their bench. Phinnessy, Franklin, Mm -hmm. and Anderson. And Phinnessy scored seven of their 14 overtime points. And he played off the bench. Yeah,
2: Finneysey so, took over that overtime. Yeah.
1: and and so that's going to be the other issue too. Is is the longer these? I mean, you don't want to have to play overtime games if you if you can avoid it, because then you're just going to your your stamina is going to go down throughout the season. You're just going to kind of lose um, your your legs a little bit. And Nebraska's already played three overtime games this season. They're one off the school record. Yeah, so it's not great when you don't have a lot of depth. I mean, you don't really have a choice when you have to hit a three pointer against Southern and a three pointer against. Um, uh, Indiana, yeah, to, just to make it to overtime. So it's good that you get there if you had that situation. I but do
2: think this game, though, this helps people out that were saying, especially after that first half of Creighton going, well, we're pretty much just going to have to camp it in. This is going to yeah. be this is going to be rough. Yes, there are going to be rough games like that Creighton first half. There's going to be that because at some point teams are just not going to make shots. Nebraska's not going to make shots. Yeah, but. Get points off turnovers, hit a few of those shots. Hoiberg draws up a couple good plays. Nebraska is going to be in more Big Ten games. That last night gives me more confidence that they're going to be in more Big Ten games than I thought a week ago. Yeah,
1: and we'll see them again tomorrow. Nebraska is taking on Purdue here at PBA, three o'clock tip. Yep. So you'll hear pregame here on KLIN starting at two o'clock. Quick turnaround. Hoiberg mentioned that was not very nice by the Big Ten schedulers, but. It really have he also a to said that. it is what it is yeah nothing you can do about it you can only play the schedule that's in front of you alright that's a big breakdown of basketball we've got a big breakdown in recruiting coming up uh, we've got signing day next Wednesday this is the last official visit weekend some big commitments have happened this past week we're going to break it all down with Nate Klaus from Husker Online when we come back here at the and Husker Hour
0: Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred KLIN.
1: Jam-packed show today. We've already hit on volleyball and basketball. It's not often that football in the thick of recruiting gets bumped a little bit but uh it did today and
2: you only uh, had to wait half the show to get to football yeah
1: i mean look we're gonna get to football we do this year (laughs) round here people um and to help us out with that today since it is a big recruiting weekend uh, on the eve essentially of the early signing day period uh, we've got nate klaus joining us from the husker online uh who's uh right here right now and nate uh thanks again for joining us here this morning we appreciate the time how you doing today
4: i'm doing well how are you guys
1: Pretty good. Pretty busy. We're uh we're enjoying it though. Yeah. Uh speaking of busy, the the staff has been out uh all over the place here since the end of the season. Uh and let's start here uh with what just happened last night. A big in home uh sealing the deal, uh, with Scott Frost uh talking to Omar Manning, the big body wide receiver the Huskers have been hoping for. Uh what kind of uh what kind of play is this kid gonna bring to the Huskers?
4: Well, yeah, I mean you, you hit the nail on the head right there. This is a big addition because he brings size to the table, right? That's, I and mean, he's six four, two hundred and thirty 230 pounds. He looks more like a linebacker than a wide receiver. And that's something Nebraska just has really lacked at that position. Um, I mean, they, they, they don't have anybody that really fits that profile. And, and especially, you know, after losing a guy like Stanley Morgan last year, they just did not have a presence on the outside there. And, and that's what Omar Manning, uh, will bring to the table. And, and, uh, you know, he's a junior college kid. He was a junior college All American, uh, had some of the best numbers in the entire nation, uh, at Kilgore College this year. So, um, and this is a big addition, not just because it was a big need, but Nebraska put a lot of time and effort into recruiting him. And, um, you know, if they would have come up short, that would have really put, um, you know, kind of a bad taste in, in, in the mouths of, of the coaching staff and, and really anybody who kind of looked at this recruiting class because, um, they they went all in on getting Omar Manning, uh, but it definitely paid off yesterday.
1: Another guy who just pulled the trigger on a commitment this week, Ativa Mauga, uh, a new newly rated linebacker um, on uh, on most recruiting sites. And, and Nebraska got him. He ends up as a four-star there on Husker Online. Um, he's going to be somebody who can make a pretty quick impact too as well, right?
4: <clears throat> yeah, he certainly is. Um, now, he's not the biggest guy. He's, he's 6'1", 6'2", about 215. Uh, pushing 220 but you turn on the tape and and you're going to see somebody that just flies all over the football field uh, makes a ton of plays and just extremely disruptive um you know he had 23 and a half tackles for loss i think seven and a half or eight and a half sacks uh as an outside linebacker for diablo diablo valley college last year or this past fall um but you know Nebraska really needed to to upgrade their overall athleticism. I think in this recruiting class at the inside linebacker position, and that's where they see uh, Malga kind of fitting in, um, being you know somebody that can cover uh, wide receivers, running backs, um, you know those crossing routes. I think that that really hurt Nebraska in uh, a lot of times or a lot of games this past fall. Uh, but also kind of just as a versatile playmaker, somebody they can kind of move around and get a little creative with because he can, he, he brings a lot to the table in, in that regard. Uh, you know, when he arrived at, at the Diablo Valley College, he started as a corner, um, you know, and, and continued to get bigger. So he, he went down to safety and then he went down to outside linebacker, uh, all in the span of two years. And so, uh, he, he's got some, some cover skills to his. Uh, to his skill set, and I think that's going to really you know, kind of add a different dimension to that inside linebacker spot.
2: Nate, I know we like to think that we're busy trying to cover a couple sports, but I don't think it gets uh, a whole lot busier than people trying to follow recruiting, especially in the last week uh, before signing. What are we looking at uh, with some visits here in this this final weekend before we get to that early signing day?
4: Yeah, it's it's always pretty wild once the contact period starts up, just kind of trying to Keep track of where all the coaches are at, uh, especially Coach Frost. I mean, he's uh, he's been crisscrossing the the entire country uh, in a private airplane uh, for, the, for the past two weeks. But they've got three official visitors on campus right now. Um, it, it, probably the headliner of that group is Keyshawn Green. He's a he's a four-star linebacker out of uh, Crawfordville, Florida. Had been committed to Florida State for a very long time. Uh, but, uh, you know, he kind of stepped away or opened things back up. I guess you could say, uh, well, you know just here in the last week, week and a half after, um, you know, after given all their coaching changes and everything. And, and actually he was supposed to be taking an official visit to Tallahassee this weekend to kind of get to know, um, Mike Norvell and, and that new, new coaching staff there. Uh, but Frost and, and the crew here at Nebraska were able to, to persuade him into visiting Lincoln instead, uh, which effectively I, I think takes Florida state out of the equation. So now all of a sudden you've got a four star inside linebacker prospect. Um, and you're, you're, it's you and Miami right now. And so, uh, his mom did not go on the official visit with him to Miami. Uh, I have not been able to confirm though, whether or not she made it to Lincoln, but I can promise you if she did. Uh, that probably gives Nebraska a little bit of a leg up on things. Uh, the Huskers do a great job kind of laying everything out, making parents feel good, especially from the academic support standpoint. Uh, you know, Dennis LeBlanc, Keith Zimmer with the life skills, those guys do an amazing job, uh, with parents when they're on their visits. And, um, and, and the coaching staff obviously, obviously does too, but, um, i I tell you, when the parents are on the visit, it makes a huge difference for Nebraska.
2: That is such an underrated point, because as someone who who went through recruiting for a different sport a decade ago, it's not just what parents, what kind of decision making they have. It's how much influence moms have in all of this as it goes through the process.
4: Yeah, I mean that's uh, you cannot put enough stock into that. Um, you know th- these kids, and, and a lot of you know a lot of these guys, unfortunately, um, they they don't have two parent households, and so. Uh, mom, mom is in a lot of, in a lot of cases, the, um, you know, the, the only kind of parent involved in, in the decision making process. And, um, and when Nebraska is able to get parents on campus, like I said, they, they, they put their mind to ease that, that their kid's going to be taken care of, uh, that they're going to get a great education, that the academic support is going to be there, but also that they're going to grow off the field and, and out of the classroom. Like I said, the life skills part. Is, is a big deal for these parents too. Uh that you know, that that they're gonna have opportunity outside of sports, uh to, to kind of grow and develop as a person. And um that's just uh you know, having worked at Nebraska in the recruiting office, I can tell you firsthand that uh all the support staff, uh whether it be academics, life skills, whatever, they do an amazing job in on these recruiting weekends and helping to sell Nebraska to the parents and, and prospects.
1: Nate Klaus from Husker Online joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Nate, the early signing period has uh, changed the game a little bit in recruiting, and I think everybody kind of raises an eyebrow whenever somebody who's been recruited to Nebraska says they're not going to be signing early. Are there any situations like that right now with any of the guys who are committed who are not planning on signing next week?
3: Yeah,
4: I mean, I think we could probably expect one or two that are committed to to not sign. and I think, I think for the most part, uh, you know, the, the one that looks likely, very likely to, to not sign is Xavier Betts, uh, the four star wide receiver out of, uh, Bellevue West. And, um, you know, and that's, that's purely, or I, I, from my take, from, from what I know, um, that is an academic based reason why he's, uh, not going to sign. It's not, I don't think it has anything to do with him not being sold on Nebraska or, or wanting to to look around, but uh, from Nebraska's point of view, if you have some academic questions or or some some academic hurdles to overcome, yet um, you know it, it would be wise to not sign early because as soon as you sign a letter of intent, you basically um, you know you are your name is is associated with one of those twenty five scholarships that you can give per year, um, and, and one of those eighty five overall scholarships. So so if a kid signs a letter of intent and then all of a sudden does not qualify academically, Nebraska is on the hook for that scholarship uh, for an entire cycle, um, whether that kid's on campus or not. And so, um, you know, especially when you have a new staff or a newer staff that's still trying to to maximize their roster and, and flip things over a little bit, um, you can't really take a risk on, on you know, wasting a, a spot in the class. And so... I think that's part of the reason why we'll probably not see Xavier Betts sign uh, next Wednesday. Uh, now, I do think that there's a good chance that that he does end up making it academically uh, but you know it's it's one of those deals where you might not want to roll the dice necessarily uh this this early in the game um, and then there might be one or two you know one thing the only the only thing promised with recruiting is that you you're you're probably going to get a curveball or two uh, on signing day.
2: Yeah, looking at some of those, not just guys that might not sign this next week, as you talked about, it, some things off of the football field into that. Who who are a couple guys that we might be watching on signing day as that's when they're making their decision?
4: Yeah, you know, a couple of names to to really pay attention to uh, are actually out of South Florida, uh, from the Miami area. Uh, Marcus Fleming is a four-star wide receiver um, that that uh, is actually teammates with a current commit of Nebraska's uh, Ronald Delancey who's a, who's a DB out of Miami Northwestern high school. Um, I I believe Marcus Fleming is going to be announcing his decision on signing day. Uh, and so is the four star quarterback, Jaden Francois, uh, out of South Dade high school there in the Miami area. Um, I think Nebraska has got a very good shot at landing both of these players. Um, but we probably aren't going to know for sure exactly where they're going uh, until they announce their decisions on, uh, On Wednesday, uh, with Fleming, you know, it's kind of Nebraska, Georgia, um, my Maryland is also kind of in the mix here lately. Um, you know, he was a a former commit to Miami and I think the Hurricanes are still somewhat involved there. And as far as Jaden Francois, um, it looks like Nebraska, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, um, you know, one of those, one of those schools are likely for him.
1: All right, Nate, we're going to wrap it up with you here with this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Does Nebraska get the commitment of Caden Johnson, yes or no?
4: Uh, yes, I believe they do. And actually, Scott Frost is, is uh, going to be taking an in-home visit with Caden Johnson later on this afternoon or this evening, um, along with probably a large majority of the coaching staff. <laughs> Even though they have recruits on campus, uh, they're trying to trying to manage both of those. Um, but it's a very encouraging sign that, that he's going to be getting that last in-home visit before the dead period. Um, and I do believe that they end up getting his, his uh, commitment and end up getting his signature on Wednesday, uh, which would be much like I talked about earlier with Omar Manning, how, mm-hmm. how important he was because of the time and effort that, that they spent in recruiting him. And on, on top of him being a position of need, uh, Caden Johnson is much, much the same. Uh, this is arguably the number one target. That you know, on their board along with Omar Manning um, at a huge position of need at that outside linebacker spot. So anytime you can go to Minnesota and get the top player out of there at a position of need, um, you know, is a big deal. And, and I think that ends up happening with Caden Johnson.
1: Well, that would make for a very Merry Christmas for a lot of Husker fans out there. Nate Klaus, yeah. Husker Online, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the insight this morning.
2: You bet. Thanks, guys.
1: All right, Nate Klaus, that was uh very informative we're good to go now. We got all our recruiting news.
2: It's been. An, I like this show. Yeah, this has been a good show.
1: It's not always like this. Stick around till the summer.
2: <laughs> no, we're busy. I like yeah. this today. Let's not. Let's not look ahead. There, we're only looking four days ahead. Yes,
0: recruiting yes. early season. That's right. Early signing period. That's right.
1: All right, coming back with more here on the KLI and Husker Hour.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
1: Nate Klaus, last segment. Thanks very much to him joining us here to break down recruiting. Uh, let's touch a little bit on that and wrap that up before we hit our last break here, Caleb. Yeah. It's it's a mad dash to the end. The fact that they're sending guys uh, up to Minnesota to talk to Caden Johnson on an official visit weekend where you're still trying to close down other prospects who are on campus for their official visits, it uh, just speaks to how much they value Caden Johnson's commitment at the outside linebacker
2: position. And there's there's one less week here, and I, I don't think we can stress this enough that yes, there was the one extra week during the season where there there where there was oh, yeah, like the two point. buys. But because of the way Thanksgiving fell this year and how close that then gets to Christmas, as Jack Mitchell likes to say, it's the shortest period that you can have the Christmas season, which he's very happy about with all of his Christmas music, <laughs> it has real implications on the recruiting trail. Um, so the teams that played in those conference championship games, they had one less week that they were out doing things. Yeah. So it, this, this is a big thing to use up some of your time and resources to go on that last weekend and say, hey, you're a guy we need. Yeah, you're a guy we want.
1: Well, and and you see, you say resources too. That's one of the big things that sold Frost on coming to Nebraska is that he was, you know, he was promised, hey, we're going to give you everything you need, anything you want that that you have to have to win. And look, he's got the private jet that he's, you know, flying around on. You, you, everybody remembers the story of hey, he was coaching Central Florida. He ran practice for, before the Peach Bowl. He flew to Lincoln for, uh, or no, he flew to California. Yeah to go talk to Adrian Martinez and nail down his, uh, his quarterback for his first class. And then he flies back to Lincoln and makes it to the, in time for the walk-on event, and then he takes a red-eye back to Florida, and he's back in the morning coaching Central Florida's next practice. Like, If you don't have the, the resources and the infrastructure to be able to do that, it's hard to make that thing happen, um, to be able to hit the walk-on event and, and influence the kids that are there to come. Maybe a guy out of that class ends up contributing to a Big Ten champion in a couple of years. Who knows? But it's those types of things that you don't see the results of right away, Um, but it's one of the things that he was promised when he came back to Nebraska was we're going to give you whatever you need to get this thing done, and and that's one of the things that he's got.
2: I've been happy to see, the and as I – I've talked with you kind of ad nauseum. I want to see the guys committing on the defensive side of the ball because we know what Frost offense is going to do. Frost offense is going to put up points. I want to see these defensive commits. So that's been I've been happy to see some of those. Um, yeah, like like Nate said, big one with Keyshawn Green on his visit, and ooh, it'd be nice to get a couple of those linebackers.
1: Well, and Ativa Malga is is a big one to, to yeah. get. He's a four star according to both twenty four seven and Husker Online. He was not ranked before the commitment to nebraska but both of them have him as a four-star and i know rankings are what they are people are going to grumble oh he's only a four-star because he committed to nebraska hey look i'm just giving you what's on the on the the websites here okay um and so that is a four-star defensive commitment henry gray is another one that you got the db out of miami he's a big one um on their board that they were able to bring in um and yeah you you've got caden johnson and then you've got a couple other of those targets down in south florida Um, That would really be a big boost to the defensive side of the ball. We talked about this during the break, too. I feel like they've done a lot of legwork on the D-line in previous classes, too. You've got guys who played a little bit last year. like Well, I say last year. It was just a a couple weeks ago. Guys like Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers, they're going to be contributing a lot more in in, in 2020 and 2021. Jakeem Green... Ended up red-shirting as well, but played a little bit, and you could see him contributing a lot more after he has a full cycle of the year, get winter conditioning, get summer, um, all that stuff. He and didn't this, have is, that last this is this
2: is where we'll see um, what makes this coaching staff the development of guys yes. now that they're here.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a big point because defensively, you've had a lot of guys who were not finished products, but guys who've been in the system already for a couple of years, guys who played D one. Obviously, the system changed from Riley to to Frost, but. The Davis Twins, Alex Davis, Darian Daniels was was an incoming freshman already, um, and Darian Daniels was obviously a finished product as a grad transfer. Um, Other guys like Mo Berry and Lamar Jackson, and those guys have been in college football for a while. You have a chance with these guys who came in your first couple classes to give them the foundation that you want, not have bad habits that you have to break, that that whole thing, um, and that's all something that can help too uh, when it comes to developing those guys for the future and and getting them into your system and having them doing things. That's
2: why Wisconsin's good. Wisconsin doesn't get a bunch of stars, but they develop their guys, especially on the line.
1: Yeah, same with Iowa. I mean, both of those programs that Nebraska's looking up at in the West Standings for the last few years, that's what they do. They have their system, they recruit to it, they develop to it, and you see the results. They're consistent. That's what Nebraska wants to be again. All right, we're going to take our last break. We're going to preview again the volleyball, women's basketball in action later this weekend, and the Husker men on the floor again tomorrow night against Purdue.
2: Finally at home.
1: Yeah, Big Ten home game tomorrow at PBA, so that'll be fun to look at. Uh, We're going to wrap this thing up when we come
0: back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400-KLIN
1: we're wrapping this thing up here. Been a busy show. Lincoln Arneil from the World Herald joined us to talk volleyball. Nate Klaus from Husker Online to talk recruiting. Big thanks to both of those two, and big thanks to you for listening. If you missed any of it, you can always catch up on the podcast page on KLIN.com. You can follow us on Twitter as well at KLIN Huskers. I'm at Stukenholtz, and he's at I Caleb Henry, Caleb with a K. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know how to spell Stukenholz because who doesn't?
2: It's a very common name across uh, Husker Nation.
1: I mean across Husker nation it's fairly common
2: <laughs> maybe
1: I mean if you've seen it you've you recognize oh, it yeah. right off the bat
2: All right let's busy uh, show and it's still a yes. busy rest of the weekend yeah. Uh we've still got well first of all Coming up this morning in about an hour, you've got the track and field inner squad over the Devaney Center. Oh boy, that's a track and field boy over here. Hey, track and field, that's uh, (laughs) that's a pretty good spot over there. But women's basketball this afternoon coming up at one at home hosting Oral Roberts, eight and one trying to make it nine and one, maybe finally get some votes in the coaches' poll. Volleyball coming up this afternoon five o'clock, round three with Wisconsin, chance to get back to the Final Four, and then men's basketball first home game of the Big Ten slate at 3 o'clock tomorrow against Purdue.
1: My man. All right. Radio sync today. ESPNU TV, turn down the TV, turn up the radio.
2: John Baylor, that's the that's the way to go. John Baylor They're and digging Lauren out Cook there Westy. like archaeologists. Kaboom! Cardiologists passing out business cards in the aisles. Get out your fire engine red pajamas. All call right. your grandkids. Go Big Red.